Uh, recently, I was working on a Bible study. No, actually, it, 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 was, it was a finished Bible study entitled, What Must I Do? And on the program, I think it was a, a message I gave. I thought the message was very, very good. It was on Preach the Gospel. And at the end of the program, I offered a Bible study on What Must I Do? That was the title of the Bible study. And I was talking to Teresa. I said, Teresa, I didn't get one request. I thought it was a good program. I thought it was a good Bible study. I, th- I didn't get one request in the mail for that Bible study. What must I do? And Teresa said, well, of course, look at the title. What did you expect? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, what's the worst title you could possibly give a religious booklet or, or magazine. And I probably, I think I chose the worst title you could possibly ever give, you know, that Bible study, What Must I Do? I really, you know, people in general, I mean, we could talk about religious people, really, really don't want to do anything, but just people in general, you know. You know, it's like, I, I want a, you know, a um, paycheck, but I don't want to work. I want, uh, you know, I'd love this nice car, this clean sports car, but it takes a lot of work to keep up a nice car. I want a home with a nice picket fence and a yard and a garden, but that takes a lot of work, you know, and I really, what must I do, you know, I'm really not interested. You know, if you think that people want to do something, or religious people want to do something, you probably have got your head stuck in the sand. And you need to pull it out and wake up. I think about the people that have responded to this program. Is that really in the Bible? And it's always bothered me that people come here, but they don't stick, if you know what I mean. I mean, we've had a lot of people that have showed up from the program, but they really don't stick. One one person mentioned, uh, he said, uh, you know, I... Said, I've done found my church home. I'll never leave. This is my, and I'm thinking, when he said that, I thought to myself, I wish you had not have said that. And I thought of Peter when he said, I will never leave you, you know, I will, uh, no, I will die for you. I will go to the, 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 the grave with you. I think I'm, I'm going to take a new approach to new people. I'm going to be brutally honest with them. I'm going to say, you may last three months if you're lucky here. <laughs> I'll give you three months and you'll, be, you'll probably be out the door. <laughs> you know, challenge them. People run up against, okay, what must I do? The people that respond to this program are, I think, often defined in the Bible. Is that really in the Bible? They're defined, I want to look at this, Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. It talks about often the characteristics of, of certain people, or maybe I should say a lot of people, Ezekiel <laughs> 33 and verse 30. It says, Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that comes from the Lord. You know, I admit, I, I think the program, is that really in the Bible, gets people's attention. I know it gets people's attention. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. 
You might want to underline that right there. But they will not do them, for with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. Notice that. They will not do them. The question is, what must I do? You know, family members, friends, loved ones, people that you love, you know as well as I do what the real problem is. The real problem is you come up against this key point. What must I do? That's, that's where the, the end result is at. Is, that's the struggle that you're having. That's the conflict with people that you love, family member, friends, relatives. You, you come up to that point. Okay, what must I do? <clears throat> or people come up to that point. And Jesus spoke of the same thing. In, you know, some of his, in the scripture, Matthew 13 and verse 20, it talks about the seed sower that goes out and sows the seed. And tells about this group of people, but he that receives the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and anon with joy receive it. And again, we've had a lot of positive comments from the program. They're excited. I like it. I like what that guy says. I get letters. People enjoy the program. Anon with joy. Receive it. Yet have he no root in himself, but endures for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. You know, the problem is not that people don't understand. The problem is people are not willing to do it. It's really not an issue of understanding. It's The problem is, I don't want to do that. That's your real problem. Now, what's missing in today's modern day gospel? What is missing in today's modern-day gospel? You know, Paul warned about another gospel. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtleties, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What is the simplicity that is in Christ? God wants sinners to repent and change. It's just that simple. God wants sinners to repent and be converted. That's the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 4, For if he that comes preaching another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel. Notice that. He mentions another gospel, another gospel. What is another gospel? Again, Galatians 1 and verse 6, Paul warns. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into grace, to the grace of Christ, and to another gospel. Now, I know a lot of people would say, well, that other gospel are people trying to get saved by works of the law. I mean, you heard that all of your life. And there did exist back then the oral law, which was like fence building around the law of God. And, you know, if I kept that perfectly, if I, if I did all these, you know, how far can you walk on the Sabbath? You can walk this far on the Sabbath. What can you do? You can pick a few grapes off the vine, but if you can't pick a cluster, that would be harvesting. So if they kept that oral tradition perfectly, it was their t- righteousness. But I want you to consider something about the apostate church. Do you realize the apostate church was born out of the true church of God? In other words, the, tr- the true church of God is what you had originally. The apostate church, which became the majority, was born out of the true church of God. I mean, that's sort of shocking when you think about it. Our work today is to bring people back 
to the faith once delivered into the saints or the, the true church of God. That's our mission today. Now, what's missing in today's modern-day gospel? Well, here it is, Acts 2 and verse 37. Acts 2 and verse 37 says, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? There's your statement. There's your million-dollar statement right there. What shall I do? Then the answer is given. Then Peter said to them, Repent. Repent of what? Sin. What is sin? The breaking of God's law. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that little statement. What shall we do? What shall I do? Which is really what the gospel is. It's, it's bringing people to a point where they ask the question, what do I need to do? What shall I do? Now, in what I call mainstream churchianity, there is nothing you must do. Is there? I mean, just believe, just accept. Grace plus nothing. It's all been, just raise your hand. Invite Jesus into, what is there to do? And again, we wonder why our family members, friends, loved ones don't respond. Well, one of the reasons they often don't respond is because they've heard a message for 40 or 50 years that there is nothing that you have to do. I mean, you don't really have to, I mean, the food laws, you know, you don't really expect me to keep those, do you? I mean, I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. You don't really expect me to keep special days for God called holy days. Now, I'm, I'm okay with keeping special days for me. If I want to go on a vacation, I'm all, that's cool. But I'm not going to keep a special day for God. It's not convenient. You don't really expect me, I mean, the Sabbath, I mean, that, that's a cherished day that I'm going to do whatever pops into my head. I'm, I'm gone. I'm going to go with it. You don't really expect me to give that to God, do you? And so they, they wonder, you know, they look at this and they don't respond because of what they've been taught for 40 or 50 years. Nothing to do. Just raise your hand. Invite Jesus into your heart. And yet, on this day of Pentecost, the million dollar question was, what? Shall I do? What must I do? You know, for years we tried to help what I called the poor. People would call our church. We, that was a crazy time. It always bothered me, too, because I, I really felt like we weren't helping. We gave away money, but I thought, David, you're not helping. It's like pouring gasoline on a raging fire already when you just give money away. We would have, we'd had all kind of crazy calls. We had a call one time. A lady called and said, I'm traveling cross-country. I don't have a vehicle. I don't have any clothes. I don't have any money. And I'm thinking, who sets out to travel across the world, across the United States? You know, I'm going to travel across the world, across the United States. I don't have a vehicle. I don't have any money. I don't have any clothes. This, this is abject stupidity, put it, put it bluntly. This, you know, no, you don't do that. That's not a logical, you know. But we had all kinds of crazy. And what bothered me is I, I was not bringing them to the point, this is what bothered me, I was not preaching the gospel. I was not bringing them to the point where they ask, what must I do about my situation? I wasn't bringing them to that point. I was just handing out money. What must I do about my situation? And it was later that I contacted a person that was telling me about how to help the poor, if you really want to help the poor, is that you have to interview them. 
they have to come to a place like a church and you've got someone with a computer and you type in their information because you only want to give it one time. You don't want to keep giving to the same person. You get all their information. You only give a certain amount each time. And I realize this takes manpower. This takes an operation to really help people. You find out their situation, their condition. You offer material that will help them. Okay? This is really helping the poor in that situation. But just giving out money was not helping them because of coming to that point, bringing a person to the point of asking the question, what do I got to do about my situation to get myself out of this, to get myself out of this bad, this, this, all right, this relationship not working, what must I do? Okay, and that's always a two-way street, by the way. It's not, oh, I know what he needs to do. He needs to change. And it's not, oh, I know what she needs to do. She, no, it's a two-way street. Both have to ask, what must I do to resolve the issue? What preaching the gospel really is, is bringing people to the point where they ask, what must I do? Now, question, did these poor people that used to call our church really want to know what must I do? No. no I never met one that wanted to know that. <laughs> they wanted the money, but they did not want to know what must I do. Okay, I never met one that wanted to know what must I do. I almost had to beg a person to take a booklet on financial success that the church offers. I said, we got this fine booklet that may help you. No, no. I said, it's a great booklet. And let me send it. Well, no. Finally, I talked him into sending him the booklet. Why? He didn't want to know. He didn't care. What must I do? That's not what it was about. Okay. Now, I want to tell you how Jesus was killed. He preached the gospel. That's how you get yourself killed. If you want to get yourself, now that may not be your goal, and I understand that. It's not my goal. But I, I don't, you know, but uh, it, that, that's how he got himself killed. He preached the gospel. The Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with man and God. And I always like to add the emphasis until, until he began to preach the gospel. Once he started preaching the gospel, three and a half years, and he's hanging on a cross. All right. What I, I think occupation, now, this has bothered me, you know, <coughs> preaching for free. That's, I admit that has bothered me. But I, uh, <laughs> I think occupational ministry has rendered the ministry totally neuter. I mean, it's, it's no value, you know. It's irrelevant. It's almost a waste of your energy and time to listen to it. I told the story several times about listening to the preacher, and he started talking about talking like Donald Duck. And that was cute. It didn't change my life, but it was cute. Uh, <clears throat> there's almost like the feminization of the ministry. You know, it's a fact that testosterone levels for men is going down with each generation. That is a fact. But you almost have the feminization of the ministry. All ministers need to be sent to your, that gym of yours, Cord. <laughs> um, because you, what, you have just weak, whimsical, passive, fat, flabby men pleasers talking about Jesus. Isn't it great to know the Lord? Occupational ministry, okay, has rendered the ministry almost, you know, of no value where we're at today. Jesus said, but now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. <coughs> Why did they want to kill Jesus? He told them the truth. Now, you see, it's not just truth. Truth in and of itself is not going to get you killed. It's truth about what you must do that can... When you share your wisdom <laughs> with another person, here's what you need to do to change that situation. 
that can get you killed. <laughs> what must I do? Now, we look at some examples of Jesus. I'll just share these with you. You don't have to turn there. I'll give you the reference. John 8 and verse 11. Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. I don't know why they didn't catch the man. Last time I checked, it took two to do that. But, but the man escaped. And you know the story. Jesus is you know, writing in the sand. He's probably connecting up names to, you know, Bob and Martha. You remember that little rendezvous you had? And, uh, and they all left and put down their stones and walked away. And Jesus said, does no man condemn you? And she said, no man, Lord, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. There's the what must I do. Go. You know, if Jesus had stopped that, neither do I condemn thee, it would not have been preaching the gospel. He didn't stop there. He said, go. This is what you're going to do now. You're going to go and sin no more. There's the instructions. And, of course, this woman was humbled and listened and greatly appreciated his not, you know, the, the harsh judgment that the men around wanted to do, and that is to kill her, stone her. And you know the other story, the story uh, that, that fateful, that night, that fateful night, Jesus went away a third time and prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, your will be done. What must I, you know, think about it. Jesus had the face. What must I do? I must give up my will in order to do the Father's will. That's fascinating when you think about it. Jesus had to even come to that himself. You know, the gospel, what must I do, is a hard sell. But that's how you preach the gospel. It's, you know, it's a hard sell. It's a very hard sell. What must, bringing people to a point where, they, where you ask the question, what must I do? Where they ask the question. Helping people think, how do I get out of this situation? What must I do? You know, I was watching one time when my mother was sick, religion on TV. There was a guy playing the piano. He'd play the piano a while, and then he'd say, just come to the cross, just come to the cross. And he'd play the piano, just come to the cross, just come to the and he'd play the piano, just come to the cross. You know, and this went on and on and on. And people would come down you know, to the altar or whatever. Maybe you've been in an emotional environment where you did that. You know, the music was good, the sermon was good, the music's playing, come just as you are. You know, the problem is you think you got saved, but you didn't hear the gospel. That's the problem. You think that was south, but you didn't hear the gospel. That's one of the reasons when people ask me about being rebaptized, I always say, yes, absolutely. Because did you understand the Sabbath, the fourth commandment? That, that, did you, what must I do? Did you hear anything about that one? You know? Did you hear anything about the holy day? Did you hear anything about the food? No, no. You know, 99% possibility that you did not hear a word about what must I do in those emotional environments that are created to pull upon the heart. And if I just, okay, give my heart to the Lord, then, that, then everything works out. But what must I do is not mentioned. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I'll go over it again. There was a forum in the Church of God. Someone asked the question, what is the proper way to preach the gospel? People said, with love and concern for fellow man. In all truth and honesty, another answer, by your actions. Another person said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Not in telling, but in doing. By your life was another answer. In love. How do we preach the gospel? In love. Okay, I agree with all of that. 
yeah, that's all, that's all good tactics, but none of it is really preaching the gospel. None of those things I just mentioned here are, is what I would call preaching the gospel. Am I saying these things are bad? No. Look at Luke, you know, Luke 7 and verse 28. This was spoken of, of a man called John the Baptist. I want to look at his style for a second because I think it's fascinating. Luke 7 and verse 28. Jesus said, For I say unto you among those that are born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John the Baptist had a certain style about him. If you want to follow along in Luke 3 and verse 7, you can look at these statements that are made. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham our father, or I go to church, or I got my religion, I got Jesus. All that was settled long ago. I invited Jesus into my heart long ago. I love the Lord. Don't say to yourself, we have Abraham our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also as the axe is laid to the root of the tree, every tree therefore that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. You know, John the Baptist was a firebrand. I mean, he was, he was something else. But notice verse 10, Luke 3 and verse 10. And the people ask him, saying, What shall we do then? Here's the question. What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He that has two coats, let him impart to them that has none. And he that has meat, let them do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized, and said to him, Master, what shall we do? And he said to them, Exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Now, I know, you know, John the Baptist, you know, that, that is a style of preaching. You know, okay, what must I do? The point is, it is preaching the gospel. When you come to a point where you bring people to the point where you help them to think and ask the question, what must I do about my situation? What must I do? I must repent. I must quit cheating. I must quit doing this. Yeah, that, that's part of preaching the gospel. What is missing in today's modern day gospel? A lot. Again, you hear often, nothing you must do, just believe, grace plus nothing. Emotional and an emotional experience where I just feel like I love Jesus. Again, to conclude, think about the apostate church was born out of the true church of God, and the apostate church became the majority. Our work today is to bring people back to the faith once delivered into the saints. Preaching the gospel is bringing people to a point where they ask themselves, what must I do? And it's not easy. You're helping people to think for themselves. Jesus became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, if you realize people are not interested in doing anything, then there's no use in whipping a dead horse. <laughs> it really isn't. If you realize, okay, this person or these people, they're not interested. There's no use. There's only so much you can do if, they're not, if you realize they're not interested in doing anything. You know, there's a, a, a scripture where it says that we are to be as bold as a lion. Someone sent me something in the, 
email this morning, a friend of mine, I thought it sort of ties in to the conclusion of this message. It was five things to quit right now. I'm going to give you five things you need to quit right now. Number one, trying to please everyone. Two, fearing change. Three, living in the past. Quit it. <laughs> Four, putting yourself down. Quit it. Fifth, overthinking. I like that. Sometimes in sharing the gospel, we're overthinking. We really are. We're, overthink we're thinking for them, and we're, just, we're, we're going through, and we're saying, now, man, I need to present this this way, and I need to be gentle and kind and nice. And, all, you know, and we're just overthinking ourselves to death. The simplicity may be just this. Your problem is not that you don't understand. Your problem is you don't want to do this thing. In other words, in sharing the gospel. The right way to preach the gospel is bringing people to the point where they ask, what must I do? And if you already know, okay, this person doesn't want to do anything. As Ezekiel said, as for my people, they hear your words, but they will not do them. Why not just cut to the chase? Why not just say, you know, your problem is you don't want, it's, your problem is not that you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Your problem is you're not about, you're not going to do this. And you know, in sharing the gospel that way, you might figure out very quickly why Jesus' ministry only lasted three and a half years.